Jiangxi, the Chinese vampire that will leap out at you. Just imagine, you're walking alone on a long road in the woods on a dark, misty night. Suddenly, in the distance, you hear a heavy but faint thud, then quiet. Then another heavy leaden thump, like a small boulder dropping from somewhere unknown. Every few seconds the sound repeats and draws closer. Goosebumps cover your body and the hair on the back of your neck stands up. You walk faster, scanning the tree line on either side of the road. The thuds continue, closer and louder and gaining speed. Suddenly, a figure emerges with a loud thud from the side of the path, and you freeze. Standing there, only yards away, is a rotting human corpse covered in green mold, its hair long, white, and stringy. It is wearing tatters of ancient clothing. It has decaying skin loosely hanging from its hands and face, and its eyes are empty and fogged over. Arms outstretched, it lunges for you, and you close your eyes, waiting, frozen by your own fear. Welcome to Freaky Folklore, the podcast where we discover the horrifying legends across the world. This week, we are discussing the Jiangxi, a Chinese hopping legend of a monster. This show is part of the EerieCast Podcast Network. Find more terrifying tales at EerieCast.com and be sure to follow us on Spotify or your favorite podcasting service. You can leave us an honest review on iTunes, too. The more we get, the more we grow, and hopefully, the more monsters we can explore. If you would like to submit an encounter or suggestions for future episodes, you can email them to carmencarrion at gmail.com. That is C-A-R-M-A-N-C-A-R-R-I-O-N at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook for information on future episodes. Hemu Village is a small village situated in Kanas Nature Reserve in Altai, northern Xinjiang. It is the most remote and largest of the three habitats of the Tuvas, an ethnic group who still live a simple ancient lifestyle by grazing animals and hunting. Hemu Village is widely considered the most beautiful village in China because of its fascinating natural beauty in autumn. Because of this beauty, Thousands of tourists and photographers from around the world flock to the hillsides of the Himu Valley every day to take in the breathtaking scenery. It was on one of these gorgeous fall days that a very tragic accident befell the village. While traversing the hills and curves, one of the loaded tour buses was going too fast. The driver lost control and the bus rolled down the hillside taking the lives of nearly a dozen unsuspecting passengers. As the bus was being lifted to be pulled back onto the road before being towed away, the rescuers made a horrifying discovery. The passengers had not been the only victims of this tragic accident. Lying, 
Where the bus had eventually landed just underneath the chassis was a young local farmer. His body was recognizable, but he had undeniably been crushed. The farmer had recently married his childhood love only a week before, and the young widow was devastated to say the least. She ordered his body to be brought back to their home. There were whispers amongst the villagers that she had summoned a Taoist priest to her home shortly after. Taoist priests were known to perform rituals to bring back the dead. The widow forbade family members from coming to her home to help bathe and dress her deceased husband. She kept the doors and windows shut for days and did not leave the house. A week had passed before his family, overcome with worry and grief, had finally forced their way into the home. What they found there would become a story passed down for generations. Every mirror in the house was covered, as was customary, so as not to see the deceased reflection. It was believed that seeing this reflection would cause another death. The widow had been given a set of antique rosewood and marble chairs as a wedding gift. She had placed them in front of the fireplace, and that is where they found her. She was sitting there, facing the fire, her eyes open wide, and her mouth sagging to one side. She was as white as snow, even the roots of her hair. Her skin was colder than the coldest fall night. When they looked to the table, where her husband's body should have still been lain, there was only a yellow cloth, used to cover the deceased's face and a blue cloth lying closely in the floor that would have been used to cover the body. Weeks went by, and a search for the missing body proved fruitless, with no clues whatsoever to what had transpired in the home of the two newlyweds. Eventually, the search ended, but that was just the beginning, not the end. First was the tourist, who they had believed had wandered from his group just before dusk. He had vanished without a trace. Next was a young schoolgirl who had been looking for her lost dog, but was later found on the forest edge, pale and lifeless, without one scratch on her body. The villagers stopped going out after dark. They shuttered their windows and locked their doors, and a feeling of doom set in upon the small community. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. What is horror to you? Monsters? Murder? Mystery? Well, if human monsters are your thing, June's Journey is the game for you, albeit in a more lighthearted tone. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties you play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's Journey is both relaxing and fun to play. 
With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Who is not afraid of the undead? From Lost Boys in the 80s to the more recent popular western series The Walking Dead, these types of creatures have been feared and even romanticized. The world is filled with stories of monsters, some real and some imaginary. Common creatures such as ghosts, vampires, werewolves, and zombies have existed in the human imagination for thousands of years. Some creatures are more unclear than others. While those from Asian nations may be familiar with the legend of the Jiangxi, many Western audiences are dangerously ill-informed. The Jiangxi are the undead that have hunted, fed from, and infected the living for a millennium. The Jiangxi are unlike vampires and zombies of the Western world. They do not walk, stumble, or stagger. They hop. Now a hopping vampire might seem hilarious, but the Jiangxi are excellent jumpers. They do not hop randomly, but can appear suddenly before you or behind you. So if you hate being caught off guard, a Jiangxi would be absolutely terrifying to suddenly encounter. Much like the vampires of the Western world, the Jiangxi are not the result of ancient evil forces, but rather were created by the same people who came to fear them. This story begins over 2,000 years ago, before the unification of China. According to history, as documented in History101.com, Qing Shi Huang, the first emperor of China, was still in the process of conquering the Chinese states when the Jiangxi were born. It is entirely possible that without Qing Shi Huang's war of unification, these hopping vampires would never have come to exist. You see, the Jiangxi were once living, breathing, thinking human beings. Warriors deployed to maintain state borders and fought off Qin Shi Huang's forces often traveled far from home. Many died in battle. Their families could not afford to have their bodies sent home, which was extremely stressful. To attain some kind of closure, and possibly the body of the lost loved one, the common people turned to the Taoist priests. These priests would perform a sacred ritual to contact the body and soul of the deceased. They would then give the dead person a specific set of instructions to allow them to return home. Because of rigor mortis, which causes the body to become very stiff and inflexible, these priests encouraged the dead to hop their way back to their loved ones. In fact, Jiangxi literally translate into stiff corpse. These living dead seem to be pretty innocent, at least at first. So how did they become vampires? It's highly unlikely that any of the original Jiangxi ever returned home to their families. Grieving families who had placed their trust in local priests 
did not lose faith after their loved ones remained lost. Instead, they assumed that something had gone terribly wrong during the ritual. In their eyes, the dearly departed family member had reanimated, but they had lost the good part of their soul. An undead creature that has lost all of its kindness and grace can only be pure evil. Consequently, the vampire-like Jiangxi that we know and fear today was born. Only able to move around during the night, these beings represented the fear of death, the unknown, and the dark. They could be created through a violent death or suicide, an improper burial, or a late burial. Unlike the vampires of Eastern Europe, Jiangxi could not escape from their graves. Instead, they were the product of neglect. One can only imagine how many corpses lined the early roads and fields of the ancient China. These poor souls that remained unburied transformed into Jiangxi during the night. This was accomplished through energy absorption. Moonlight or starlight shining down on an unburied body would become vital energy that the body would consume, allowing them to reanimate. Jiangxi lore is ancient, and the creature's existence was taken very seriously by scholars in ancient China who speculated on how Jiangxi were created. In the meantime, ancient Chinese deeply believed in dangerous encounters with the Jiangxi and tried to protect their homes. Slats of wood six inches high were built under doors in the strange belief that these would keep out hopping zombies. To keep a Jiangxi in place, a slip of yellow paper with a spell written on it was also stuck on the corpses. Knowing the history of the Jiangxi and how they were created is not enough to know how to recognize one of them if you encounter it. So, remember these important details that were also mentioned in the previous history. The description of a Jiangxi's appearance varies greatly. However, there are a few commonalities across all sightings. Jiangxis tend to retain their human form, but they have pale whitish green skin. Some may even be able to transform into floating balls of light that help them lure their victims, much like an anglerfish uses bioluminescence to lure prey. A Jiangxi's hair may be white or green, just like their skin. Their mouth is full of sharp, serrated teeth like a shark. Some are said to have long, thick fingernails that cannot be broken or split. These nails may also be sharp enough to cut, stab, or impel a victim. A Jiangxi's breath is so horrifically bad that some believe a single breath in your face can kill you. A strange glowing green mold seems to take hold of many Jiangxi allowing them to glow slightly. In a few accounts, the monster kind of looks like Gene Simmons of the rock group KISS. It has a long tongue, big bulging eyes, and a gaudy costume. Of course, instead of black leather or spandex, the Jiangxi is known to wear clothing that dates back to the Jing Dynasty. Even though the Jiangxi is well equipped to take a life, it does not often cause immediate physical harm to their victims. Unlike the zombie, it does not feed on human brains or, like the vampire, thrive on human blood. 
Instead, the Jiangxi seeks to consume the qi, also known as qi in Western cultures. Qi is a person's vital life force. Without that life force, a person will immediately die. There are many methods of defense against the Jiangxi, if you happen to unfortunately encounter one. Apparently, the Jiangxi has a touch of obsessive-compulsive disorder because they have an obsessive desire to count things. It is said, if you scatter a bag of gold coins, rice, or random objects in their path, the creature he will have to stop and count them. Gold coins can be an expensive solution, but there are many other thriftier solutions. An easier and more efficient solution is to hold a Taoist symbol to your forehead. If the symbol is held against the head, the Jiangxi will be unable to hop away, allowing you time to escape. The Jiangxi is also terrified of its own reflection, probably because this Chinese version of the vampire doesn't look like Robert Pattinson or Brad Pitt and does cast an image in a mirror where it may catch a glimpse of its own gruesome appearance. Another very convenient defense against the Jiangxi is to simply hold your breath. While holding your breath may stop them dead in their tracks, it is a temporary defense and just hope you don't pass out or that will be the end of you. There is an extremely long list of weapons to defend against the Jiangxi. A rooster's call, fire, vinegar, blood of a black dog, just to name a few. Many of the defensive items are convenient if you survive long enough to use them. But perhaps the most practical way to avoid an encounter with the Jiangxi is to avoid walking the streets light at night, or wandering at night in the forest or pretty much just being out at night anywhere. This is also a great way to avoid getting mugged, assaulted, or worse. In fact, the Jiangxi may simply be a kind of cautionary metaphor for the criminal acts that often occur in the dark, poorly lit streets, and country roads. There are hundreds of American and British films about vampires. Similarly, there are tons of Chinese films about Jiangxi. Perhaps the most popular of these is the Mr. Vampire Saga, which consists of five films. Still, there are more than 30 movies that focus on the legend and terror of the Jiangxi. One of the most recent ones, Rigor Mortis, was released in 2013. In this eerie and chilling contemporary action special effects laden homage to the classic Chinese vampire movies of the 1980s, writer-director-producer Juno Mack makes his feature directional debut, co-produced by J-horror icon Takashi Shimizu and reuniting some of the original cast members of the classic Mr. Vampire series. Rigor Mortis is set in a creepy and moody Hong Kong public housing tower, whose occupants we soon discover run the gamut from the living to the dead, to the undead, along with ghosts, vampires, and zombies. Truly, these undead monsters make for great horror films. And the fact that more and more Jiangxi movies continue to come out proves that these creatures are never too far from the Chinese subconscious. They are also 
never too far from the gaming world. The Jiangxi make an appearance in over 40 different games. Jiangxi are the primary enemies in the Nintendo Entertainment System video game Phantom Fighter. However, they are mistakenly referred to as zombies instead of vampires. Jiangxi appear as enemies in the Chai Kingdom, the fourth and final world of the 1989 Nintendo Game Boy video game Super Mario Land, the first Mario game to be released for handheld console. More recently, you can find the Jiangxi as a monster featured in the Genshin Impact. Genshin Impact is an action role-playing game developed and published by MiHoYo. It was released for Microsoft Windows, PlayStation 4, Android, and iOS in September 2020, for PlayStation 5 in April 2021, and is planned for release on Nintendo Switch. The game features a character named Chi-Chi, who is clearly based on the Jiangxi, though she is mistakenly referred to as a zombie in the English-language version of the game. Either way, the Jiangxi have become a staple for modern horror novelists, especially those from Southeast Asia. Their ability to mutate, their ever-changing appearance, and the mystery surrounding their power continue to interest new generations of readers, movie watchers, and even gamers. But while people may find these living dead creatures endlessly interesting, that doesn't necessarily mean that they believe in their existence. As with ghosts, proof of belief is often left in the hands of the individual. The Jiangxi don't drink blood, and they're not physically attractive. They tend to hold their arms out before them, and they show clear signs of bodily decay. So... Are they vampires, or are they zombies? The most obvious answer is that they are neither. They share many characteristics and qualities with vampires and zombies, but Jiangxi are totally unique. They don't walk, they hop, and they don't want to eat your flesh or drink your blood. Instead, they'd rather consume your chi. The belief in a soul is a very European idea. But chi and a soul are nearly synonyms. So essentially, a jiangxi is a soul eater that can infect you if it bites you and turn you into the hopping dead. The Hemu Valley had been John's home since he was born. It was like a beautiful paradise with the green grassland, boundless forest, and a misty snow-capped mountainside that welcomes you to a hidden Chinese fairyland. The locals have managed to keep their simple and ancient lifestyle, and many still make a living by animal husbandry. Their residential area is characterized by wooden houses scattered across the village. The roof is generally nailed with wood, and each door opens to the east. You would never imagine that a nightmare could be had here, but Chen would soon find out that terror can be found anywhere. Chen had lived in the same wooden home on his parents' farm for the entire 12 years of his life. He started most days the same, helping with chores such as feeding the livestock and helping his mom and dad and whatever else they needed. 
Today was only different because his parents had given him permission to go fishing with his friend Jian from a neighboring farm as long as he finished his chores first and as long as he promised to make it home before dark. So he quickly fed the cows, hogs, and chickens before heading to the barn to find his fishing pole. Chen, in his excitement, failed to notice that when he left the barn, the door didn't latch properly. It was a beautiful day, so most of the animals were out grazing, leaving only his dad's prized milk cow in the barn. Chen hurried down the path that he and Jian had worn between each other's homes over the years and did not make it even halfway before running into his friend. Jian had his pole and a cloth with some snacks his mother had prepared wrapped in it. So, they headed off together, without any other care in the world, to spend a beautiful afternoon at the river. Now, not a lot of exciting things happen in the Hemu Valley, besides the thousands of tourists that visit in the fall together on the hillsides and take pictures of the village, the lake, and the beautiful valley scenery. The valley averages 200,000 visitors a day in the fall. It is actually surprising that the villagers have managed to maintain a peaceful and old-fashioned lifestyle. That was until a few months ago, after a tragic accident followed by a disappearance and a mysterious death. The two friends spent their afternoon competing to see who could catch the most fish. Around dusk, the fish seemed to stop biting. Reluctant to go home, the two boys ate their snacks and then laid back on the riverbed to share stories, some that they had shared before. The sun had begun to sink low into the horizon when they finally realized how late it was getting. If they hurried, they would make it home just before sunset. They set off back down the path they had traveled before. Chen said goodbye to Jian in front of his house and continued on alone. As Chen rounded the last corner, he could see the smoke rising from the chimney of his home. He looked at the waning sunlight and quickened his pace. He made it to the wooden gate that surrounded his home and was about to swing it open when he heard a bell not far off. It sounded like a cowbell. The same cowbell they kept around the neck of the milk cow in case she ever wandered off. Chen ran to the barn to make sure she was still there, hoping that he had imagined the sound of the dinging bell, but stopped short of the barn when he saw that the door was swung wide open. Sure enough, when he stepped inside, she was gone. Running to the tree line in the direction he had heard the bell, he thought he heard it again. Chen stopped to listen. Yes, it was coming from inside the forest and not too far away. Without hesitation, even after his parents' warning not to be out at night, Chen quickly stepped into the thick and darkening forest and began to follow the sound of the bell. He had made it about 20 yards in when suddenly the ringing stopped. Chen stood still and earnestly listened. All he could hear was his own panting breath. Slowly this time, he continued in the direction he had last heard the bell when suddenly he heard a thump. His pulse quickened, but he felt an icy coldness beginning to take root in his chest. He was beginning to feel uneasy and had an urge to run back, but he had to find that stupid cow 
or his dad would be more than just angry. So, he continued, but cautiously, at a much slower pace, aware of his surroundings and every sound. Suddenly, he realized that there were no other sounds. The crickets had stopped chirping, but at last, he was not alone. He heard the hoot of an owl in the distance. Feeling a little silly at his unfounded fear, he took a deep breath and continued his search. Pushing aside branches and stepping over fallen limbs, he wondered how far the cow had even made it through this rough growth of foliage. Without warning, something dark swooped down out of the sky and grazed the top of his head. With a sharp scream, Chin let go of the limb he had been holding, but the limb bounced back and smacked him in the face, knocking him to the ground. Stunned, he lay there with the cold earth beneath him. He felt something warm running down his cheek. It tickled. He reached up to rub it away, but when he pulled his hand back, there was blood on his fingers. The branch had made purchase and left a nice little cut. Frustrated and tired, Chin climbed back to his feet, but he froze when he heard another thump, closer and heavier than before. He stood there, waiting and listening, and again there was another thump and crackling of limbs. The sound seemed to be coming from behind him. Chin slowly turned around, trying to be as quiet as possible as to not give away his position as if the fall that he had just taken had not already done that. Not far away, in a small opening in the forest where the moonlight was beginning to shine down, he could see a figure. It was just standing there, about 20 feet from him, with its face hidden in the shadow of an overhanging tree branch. It was a person, but he did not recognize them. Chin's mouth started to open as he was trying to decide whether to speak or remain silent. But suddenly, the figure crouched and lunged. It happened so quick that for a moment it just seemed to disappear. All of a sudden, with a heavy thump, the creature materialized before him a mere ten feet away. He could now make out the details of its appearance. It was a man with a very familiar face, but it was not a normal face. The skin was saggy. The eyes were clouded with a white haze. The skin and hair were white with a slight green tint. The creature had both arms outstretched towards Chin, bearing long, black fingernails. While Chin stood there, trying to understand what and who he was looking at, the creature opened its mouth and slowly an unordinarily long tongue began to slide out. It was dripping with thick saliva, or some other disgusting ooze. Chen was almost knocked over with the force of the overpowering smell of decay. He fought the urge to gag. At the point when Chen's fear was just about to take control, the creature lunged again. Before it could land and sink its claws in his flesh, a burst of adrenaline took over and Chen turned and began to run. It was difficult to make a path through the low-hanging limbs and brambles, but though they slowed him down, they did not stop him. Chin knew in his gut that he was running for his dear life. 
He could hear the thumps behind him as the creature would jump. Occasionally, the sound would be so close he could feel a breeze from its landing. He knew that at any moment it would tackle him and bring him down. He finally seemed to be distancing himself from the thumps as the sound grew more and more distant. But as he tried to jump over a fallen dead tree, he tripped and landed in a mound of thorny brambles. He was lying there on his face, winded, and gradually realizing the tiny pinpricks of pain that were starting to heat up the majority of his body. He heard a thump. It was close, and then it was quiet for a moment as Chen scrambled to try and free himself from the thorny limbs. He was just about to free his ankle from the last grip of thorns, when suddenly he was hit with such a force that he was lying face down again. For what seemed like minutes or even hours, he couldn't breathe. Instantaneously, his body was flipped as a sharp, searing pain ripped through his shoulders, landing him on his back. Just as suddenly, the pressure of a heavy weight pressed him to the ground. His eyes had been squeezed shut, in fear, but gradually, he began to open them. He already knew what the weight was. There standing over him, with its knees in his stomach and its claws digging into his shoulders, was the creature he had been desperately trying to escape. As he stared into its horrifying face, imprisoned by its grip and unable to move, its mouth open and that long, stinking tongue began to seemingly crawl out of its mouth and almost intimately slide across Chin's face. It trailed a sticky path from his chin, across his nose and to his forehead where it stopped and suddenly shot back into the creature's mouth with a flicking sound. The creature staring down at him cocked its head sideways and opened its mouth wide, stretching until there was more mouth than there was face. Seeing rows of jagged teeth, Chin remembered thinking how much that mouth resembled the sharks that he had seen in books. Chin held his breath and closed his eyes again, waiting for the deadly jaws to bear down on his flesh and end his terrifying nightmare. It felt like hours that he waited for the inevitable to happen, but instead, he felt the piercing claws retract from his shoulders and the weight on his lower body to begin to lift slowly until it was gone completely. He held his breath still until he finally thought he may pass out, and finally he exhaled and reluctantly opened his eyes. The creature was gone. After lying on the ground for what seemed like eternity, Chen slowly began to move around. He gradually set up and freed some of the new entanglements from the brambles that he had acquired during the attack. He listened closely to the sounds of the forest before standing. They had all returned. He could hear the crickets and other insects. He could hear the peaceful hooting of the owl. It was a surprisingly peaceful sound. He felt relief flood over him, but not taking any chances, Chin quickly made his way back towards his home. His parents had been angry, but were more upset by Chin's appearance than the lost cow or his getting home so late. He was reluctant to tell them what had happened, 
but he hesitantly told them anyway. His mother treated his injuries and fed him some warm broth while listening. His father sat there with a solemn face and a furrowed brow. When Chen finished his story, his father was silent for a moment as if in thought. Finally, he looked at Chen and said one word, Jiangxi. Thank you for listening to Freaky Folklore, the podcast about mankind's horrifying legends and myths. Don't forget to follow Freaky Folklore on Spotify and iTunes. If you can, leave the show an honest review on iTunes to help us grow. Freaky Folklore is part of the EerieCast Podcast Network, the home for listeners who love to feel scared. Go to EerieCast.com to find other shows featuring terrifying tales, such as Darkness Prevails Podcast, which has nearly 300 episodes showcasing allegedly true scary stories from around the world. If you love the supernatural and mysterious creatures interest you, the Darkness Prevails Podcast is the show for you. I would love to hear from you guys, so if you would like to submit an encounter or suggestions for future episodes, you can email them to carmencarrion at gmail.com. That is C-A-R-M-A-N-C-A-R-R-I-O-N at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Tune in next week as Freaky Folklore delves into its first unsolved mystery, steeped in myth and legend. The disappearance of Stacy Ann Ares at Yosemite National Park. Unexplained circumstances surround the case, with various explanations pointing to causes only folklore can explain. Until next time, stay safe out there, because this world is a strange one. <laughs>